Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC FM and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning and we are pleased to be joined by the Education Commissioner for the State of Connecticut, Miguel Cardona. Good morning to you, sir. Hi, good morning, Aaron. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for being here virtually. The announcement came this past week. Public schools in Connecticut will not resume in-person learning this academic year because of the coronavirus. What considerations went into this decision? So first and foremost, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers that are listening. Uh, Today's a special day for for them, and we know we couldn't do it without them. And they're showing during this pandemic how much, how special they are. So uh, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers uh, listening. Uh, the considerations to, to go into that decision uh, were obviously health. We held out a bit longer than most. We There were, I believe, 46 states that already announced uh, before us. I think the decision there was based on the governor wanting to see if there was any possibility uh, for safe return in, in a small way. But we anticipated the likelihood that uh, classes would be canceled earlier, and, and we were just uh, looking for the right time. We knew districts needed to know right away, uh, or they couldn't They couldn't uh, hold much longer because they were making decisions with regard to um, uh, budgeting decisions. So we had to make an announcement. So certainly the online learning continues into June. What is happening on the, the planning front for next year between now and the fall? Classes being canceled, uh, means now that students are accessing their education through remote options, which are either uh, materials that are being developed and distributed or through uh, some virtual means, which is uh, likely in the secondary schools to be more common. And, and the calendar will continue based on the school calendar. So there's about a month left for the students and, and uh, teachers that are working really hard to continue the education. So we're planning aggressively to come up with uh, some suggestions for some recommendations for summer school within the next two weeks for districts to continue planning uh, with a little bit more specificity as to sizes and which students uh, to try to identify uh, based on summer school needs and the limitation of uh, summer school opportunities based on funding and other factors. But we're also looking to discuss the best way to reopen our schools in the fall. 
uh, we have a committee working really hard on that. And as you know, the educational committee uh, is looking at it from the lens of educational policy and practice. But we also have a health committee uh, that's a big part of the governor's reopen task force. And it's important that, you know, whether it's the economic team or the education team or the communities team, that we're vetting everything that we uh, plan through the health team to make sure that it promotes public health, which is all of our priority right now. What benchmarks have to be met in order to reopen schools in the fall? As you might have seen yesterday, the governor laid out some reopening benchmarks. Um, we know that a reduction of hospitalizations over a 14-day period is really going to initiate a lot of the conversations about reopening. We're hoping that uh, after May 20, we start to see small reopening efforts happen. We're going to monitor to see the impact that has on the communities and uh, infection rates. We, we, we would like to uh, see those rates continue to go down, and that would likely make it possible for summer schools to open in July. Now, going back to the distance learning that has been occurring since March, I think it's important to point out that in many cases, I suspect educators are working harder than they even typically do. That's absolutely right, Aaron. I appreciate you sharing that. You know, my my daughter, uh, she's in a middle school and she has six, seven teachers. And um not only are they working hard to try to maintain her, her, the program of, of whatever class it is, but they're also doing that while tending to their toddlers or caring for their children um, or adjusting their schedule so that um, their spouse who's working also can tend to the things that their spouse has to tend to. So they're doing Herculean efforts. They're, they're providing Herculean efforts to uh, make it so that my children and, and the children across Connecticut have an experience that's still high quality uh, for most students. We know that there are some students that unfortunately were having more difficult time connecting with, uh, but for the most part, these teachers have been able to reach most students and are doing great work to try to not only provide areas where students have uh, lost, but also teach new concepts, which is very difficult to do if you're not in the school. Now, what sort of efforts have been taken to help span that digital divide that some students face, whether it be, you know, not having access to uh, a computer or another device to, to do your online learning, or in many cases, not having access to broadband? Right. Those are two major issues. Uh, early on, I mean, geez, it seems like it seems like so long ago, but I think it was maybe mid-March. We started connecting with um, partners in, in throughout Connecticut. Uh, one of them was Scholastic, who gave us a, a really huge discount on physical materials. And we were able to get 187,000 informational packets. And I'll say informational packets, learning packets with books and materials for students to um, engage in learning. Um, and we are distributing those uh, through the help of a the governor's Learn From Home Task Force made up of some committed superintendents from throughout the, the state of Connecticut. So that, that effort is underway, and that's getting materials in the hands of students. And then the Connecticut Partnership stepped up in a big way and provided 60,000 laptops for our students in communities where uh, it's less resourced. So the distribution of online, uh, excuse me, from uh, of laptops for students to access online learning is also underway. Um, and so that's one part of it, right, the device. But if you have a laptop and you don't have good access to the Internet, what good is it, right? What you're not going to be able to connect to the learning that the teachers might post on a website. 
So we're also working with our providers to, to see how we can expand the, uh, the, uh, the connectivity throughout Connecticut so that students can access their uh, education. And I wanna focus on that because as we talk about rephasing back into our schools, we know that we can't go from no students one day to some schools are over a thousand students. We have to phase that in and think about what is the safest way of doing it. So we're still gonna, we're still gonna have to rely a bit on distance learning efforts and remote learning. I wanna make sure that I'm very clear that we're not taking our foot off the gas with regard to providing equity and access to students with distance learning. How might the distance learning look differently, say next academic year compared to now? You had to do things very abruptly this spring. Will it be more polished, maybe a little more cohesive in the fall? Absolutely. You know, we, in many cases, teachers left their classrooms on March 13th, which was a Friday, thinking they were going to come back the 16th, and they were not able to come back. So it was almost starting from scratch at home uh, with your internet connectivity. So, and they've been able to do some amazing things, given that. Now, when we come back in the fall, the goal is going to be to have access to materials, uh, a more cohesive uh, set of activities for students that's connected to the learning that takes place within the schoolhouse. So it could be that a teacher provides a lesson or records him or herself doing a lesson, puts that up so that students could see it, have activities that they could do at home, and then submit uh, assignments based off that lesson. And then maybe the teacher can do follow-up when that student comes back into the building. Uh, so I see it being a lot more um, cohesive, a lot more connected and, and less fragmented uh, than what we had to experience because of the sudden shift. Now, after this past week's announcement that in-person instruction was not going to continue for the balance of the academic year, I imagine that some folks might feel like they want to throw in the towel and say, okay, it's early summer vacation. But what's your message to students, parents, and educators when it comes to, you know, keeping on this learning for the rest of the year? Right. We're not done. You know, we, the message is we're not done. We're going to finish strong Connecticut. And we, we've all been dealt uh, a setback. You know, one of my former students wrote on social media, she said, you know, this wasn't much of a surprise, but it's still devastating. It's still devastating to know that we're not going to be able to return back to our schoolhouses, uh, not only for the academics, but quite frankly, more importantly, for those end of the year experiences that we treasure as students and as educators, where our students are connecting with one another, signing yearbooks, you know, saying bye to their friends that are moving, all these things that are critically important for the development of our youth, those things have to be put on pause. But we're asking those same youth who have had to endure this to hang on, stay positive and stay connected because there's still work to be done and it's still critically important to stay a part of that school community, albeit virtually. Now, this is a very special time of year we're entering, typically, especially for, you know, high school seniors. What sorts of things are, are being done to, to still make this a special time of year for them and their parents? Right. Yeah. I spoke to a um, mother over the weekend, someone that I knew when I was a building principal. Her children went through the school and uh, one of her youngest is graduating high school this year. And uh, one of her middle children is graduating college this year. And I felt for her doubly because she had a college graduation and she had a high school graduation that she was planning on attending. 
it's it's so devastating. So to hear the stories that I'm hearing from districts where they're doing some amazing things, highlighting uh, student, uh, you know, their their colleges that they're going to and using their social media uh, avenues to, you know, highlight the student, a quick video of the student or pictures of a student um, and, and honoring those students differently, but still doing it means a lot. I was uh, talking to someone earlier today and they showed me a picture of a billboard on the highway on Route 9 in New Britain. I think it was a car dealership that chose to donate their billboard, huge billboard, to show the high school graduates that were graduating from the Britain High School uh, this year and give them the attention that they deserve because they've worked so hard for it. Uh, so there are many stories of positive things that are happening throughout our districts uh, to honor our seniors. You're listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to State Education Commissioner Miguel Cardona about the abrupt end of in-person instruction this academic year and and what's going to be happening happening next year. Uh, Commissioner, to prepare the school buildings for the return of students and staff, what has to be done? We have to make sure it's safe for our students, for our staff. We have to make sure we have cleaning protocols. Uh, we have to have, um, you know, safeguards very clearly spelled out with regard to masks, with regard to social distancing. Um, you know, we have to make sure uh, we're clear on transportation uh, expectations. Uh, we used to shove 65 students on a bus. What does that look like now when we're trying to maintain social distancing? cafeteria patterns. So we're trying to provide, we're actually in the, in the work, we're in the process of uh, developing standards and guidelines for schools as they think about summer school, but also in the fall uh, to promote above everything else, uh, safety for students, for the staff, and for the families that the students come back home to. How much remedial education will have to be provided in the fall? Certainly, there are some really good distance learning programs out there, but I'm guessing that folks, students have still lost something having to, to switch online so quickly. Is that going to be have to, are you going to have to make up for that in the fall? Yes. What's happening now is we're, we're engaging at the, at the department to develop materials for districts to have that give them like, for example, I guess the best way to describe it is if, if you were a third grade student and you had to leave in March and you didn't come back and you have you had some access to uh, distance learning, but it wasn't obviously it's not the same. You know, when you get to fourth grade, your teacher is going to have modules of third grade of things that were learned in third grade that could be used to accelerate uh, whatever learning was lost. We're also going to make these available to parents and uh, to camps over the summer so that students could have access to them in little in little bites and, and continue the learning and make sure that if you're going to do activities that are going to prevent learning loss, let them be connected to what the expectations were in that grade level you just left. We're going to be providing those for, for districts. And, and with that in mind, I'm guessing it might not be as a relaxing summer break as it would typically be. I'm guessing both educators and students might have to be a little more engaged than they typically would be during the summer months. Right. You know, it's one of those uh, things where we know the planning alone is going to be uh, very uh, time consuming and it 
critically important that it's, you know, that we focus on that because we want to make sure our schools are ready. Uh, but the opportunities for students to engage in learning over the summer, uh, they're, they're going to be different. Uh, there are going to be some students that are, we're going to try to get them in the schoolhouse to get uh, additional support, but they're going to be materials for all students that can engage uh, to, to at least keep, keep learning. As far as the educators, you know, I know teachers are probably thinking, okay, what does this mean for my classroom? How do I adjust my classroom? What, what does that mean? So the earlier we can get guidance out, the more they can feel at least a sense of preparation of what they know what to expect. That's really important too, because we want to make sure that they go back in uh, feeling comfortable uh, themselves in order to meet the needs of our, of our learners and connectors. How much does this giant task of getting ready for next fall and also switching to distance learning this spring and continuing that into the summer, how much is that going to affect budgets? Are you hearing from districts that they, they are, are running short on, on cash to, to carry out these initiatives? There are budget implications when we're talking about making sure we're taking our schools and changing them in the manner that promotes social distancing or uses space differently. It definitely requires funding to do that. Um, I know districts are having to make tough decisions now on how to prioritize the funding that they do have. And they're rightfully acknowledging that sometimes the, what the kids need the most is going to be social emotional support. We know many of our students are going to come back to us uh, having lost people that they love. Um, we've all experienced trauma through the, these last couple months. And we as an educational institution need to be prepared to embrace our students and our staff that have experienced this and support them in a way that gives them the opportunity to, to learn the best they can. So social emotional support is a big part of how we think about reopening. And districts, districts are thinking ahead of that and, and planning for that already. Now, schools are not only a, a source of nourishing the mind, but also the stomach in, in many cases. Can you talk about what's happening with meals programs now and heading into the summer? Yes. So <clears throat> I'm really proud that, you know, we, we applaud our educators who had to change course right away and, and continue working hard to engage their students in learning. Our cafeteria and food service folks have done the same. You know, in, in a month and a half, over 4 million meals have been served to students who uh, have food insecurities. And that's, that's critically important that we continue to feed students, to provide nourishment opportunities for them so that uh, when they come back, they're healthy. And we, we are going to continue this work uh, into the summer. And, you know, that's part of our basic responsibility to, to make sure that our students are not only academically nourished, but also that their health is, is taken into account. And that means we continue to serve students. Now, are, are the, the summer meals programs going to look a lot like they, they do in, in typical summers? They're more like they're likely to be similar to the food distribution sites that we currently have now, that uh, are less picnic style, more grab and go, so that we prevent congregation of students. Uh, but I do anticipate there being a continuation of uh, both hot meals and uh, cold meals for students to have. 
Now, certainly these have been challenging times. Over the past couple of months, have you witnessed any success stories that provide hope and help you kind of keep going in these times? Yes, I, you know, I hear stories of uh, students, for example, our students with special needs who have had more difficulty uh, adjusting due to the fact that they might have relied on very small group settings um, and relied less on technology prior to COVID-19. Um, you know, I hear stories of, uh, you know, speech pathologists being able to provide uh, services to students through Zoom and the students starting to get used to that. Um, I hear stories of students who are engaging in choral concerts or, um, you know, uh, plays in, in ways where they're singing parts and, and the teachers are doing a nice job giving the students a chance to shine. Um, and also students who are engaging in learning who feel that they're able to accomplish more and have more flexibility to do the things that they like to do. I, I hear a lot of stories about uh, students have getting access to materials because of the, the kindness of the staff in their district, driving it over to their house or um, making sure that every student gets reached. So there are many great stories out there. You know, there's no shortage of inspiration in Connecticut, that's for sure. Certainly you're in close contact with superintendents around the state. What's the, the number one question they have for you in the State Department of Education in the pandemic? You know, what is it going to look like next year? They have to plan logistics. So, you know, what are the guidelines for how many students can, uh, can enter? What do we do with transportation? You know, we have many districts that have students that ride buses for 45 minutes, full buses for 45 minutes. What does that look like? Um, those are the questions that, that are coming out. How, you know, the more information they have, the better they can plan with their budgets. In many districts, there's, there's, you know, feeling that they don't have enough funds before COVID. How do they meet the demands uh, that are going to be placed on districts now with regard to safety um, if, you know, if there's less funding or if they have to stretch a dollar even more? So the, their questions are more like, you know, what, what should I expect so I could plan for? And I'm guessing the answers to some of those questions are still being developed. They're still being developed. We're still working with uh, our educational partners to try to make sense of it and to share with some certainty what they can expect. You know, there are certain things that we're going to see as time passes. You know, I could tell you right now, we're, we're shooting for, uh, you know, our early September start date, right? But if the trends in health reverse over the summer, we're going to make sure that we're thinking about our student safety and we want to make sure that the decisions that we plan for are still possible if uh, we see a spike in cases or another wave. So there's so many things that are still up in the air, but I think it, it's safe to say that we should be providing some guidance as to what it could look like and not just providing guidance, but listening to their thoughts on what, what, what it could look like. Because as you know, sometimes the best answers are out there in the communities when they've been and when they've had a chance to think about it themselves. And that's a good point. If people, you know, hear this and have a, you know, a, a bright idea to make things a little better, uh, how do they, they communicate that? Yeah, before the governor announced the task force, uh, we at the agency were thinking the same way. We were thinking we need to get input from people that are in the field and uh, we established six regional 
advisory teams to the State Department of Education. Um, so we know that in Fairfield County, their needs might be a little bit different than Wyndham County or New London County. So what we did is we used uh, the geographical uh, distribution of our RESCs, the Regional Education Service Centers, um, the RESC partners, the RESC Alliance, they did a great job uh, assembling stakeholders from parents to teachers to superintendents to principals to get their perspective on what we should be thinking about. So that group meets regularly. There's six of those with more than 40 people. Uh, they meet regularly. They provide their input to the State Department of Education, and that input is used when I sit with the reopen task force and come up with strategies on how to reopen. He is State Education Commissioner Miguel Cardona. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Pleasure being here. Thank you again for the invitation. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.